Welcome to Behind the Mic, a show that spotlights WBOI volunteer hosts and the programs they produce. On today's episode, host Julia Meek sits down with Bob Mayer, host of 89.1 show Tossed Jazz Salad. The show airs on Tuesday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. This interview was recorded in February of 2017. Bob Mayer, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. You've been serving up those tasty tossed jazz salads for coming up on six years That's here correct. on WBOI. But your jazz passion began long before that. So when did the jazz bug first bite? I didn't know it was jazz at the time, but it takes place when I was in single digits in age. Okay. My dad was a World War II vet when he came back from the war. Uh, Mom and dad, of course, were married, and I was born in 1947, and they would have social gatherings in the basement, and they would play records, big bands, and I've been a big band fan ever since. Fair and square then. Got you good. Yes. So where has that addiction taken you? It lay dormant for a long time because I'm a baby boomer, and I was into the rock and roll Okay. establishment and everybody in the neighborhood i lived on a dead end street in new york just outside of queens we all gathered around and listened to the local records you could buy for a dime or 15 cents then the 45s and was into that so the only thing that led me in a different direction was that as we were collecting these rock and roll records i tended to collect the instrumentals which were rare in those days Mm -hmm. because most people felt that in rock and roll days it had to have some vocal and if it didn't what's the point And I have a whole collection of 45s from the 50s and 60s that are (laughs) instrumental. And so they turned out to be quite rare. But that got me going. And then I was able to start clarinet. I'm a clarinet and saxophone player in the fourth grade in the school program. And I've been in music that way ever since. What a great story. What a great beginning. Sounds like it was all instrumental to your... Yes, (laughs) it was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about your show for a second. What are your secret ingredients for a perfectly seasoned tossed jazz salad? If we can coin a word, eclecticity. When I was first invited, scared me to do this show. Will Murphy and I spoke. He knew that I had had a jazz education background from teaching jazz appreciation at the University of St. Francis for 13 years, and he wanted a mix. I said, I can do that. I also taught uh, music appreciation and history of rock and roll, so I had a lot of this different tossings to put together Mm -hmm. as one took a view from another. I think that's what put it together. We've done music on the show from all over the world. That's what makes it even more eclectic. And exciting. I hope so. Is there an era or style of jazz you don't like? I studied with Herb Deutsch and Bob Moog when the synthesizers first came out Mm -hmm. in the late 60s. And I thought at that point electronic music was the thing. It has since gone way bigger than that, and I kind of shy away from that. I'd rather have a natural sound. Uh, Years ago, you could tell a guy was playing a saxophone. Now you don't know if he's playing a saxophone or somebody's pushing a button on a keyboard. That's a good point. So it's mainly for the authenticity. Or yes, the... ma'am. The sound that comes out of a real trumpet or a clarinet or a sax or a flute uh, without being electronically enhanced or invented. Interesting point. Okay. Tossed Jazz Salad is a live show. How does that enhance the experience, do you think, for you and your listeners? Oh, they hear all my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you didn't make them. <laughs> oh, yes. Radio was new to me. Before I started the show, I had no, uh, I had trouble with my cell phone. <laughs> and uh, it was brand new to me, and I'm still 
uh, looking at the faders and the switches and the buttons and making sure I get them all right. I think the idea of it being live on my end, once the CDs are on, that's fine and dandy. Getting the people to hear it is something else. I think the idea also that I can lend some talk to the program and kind of set up the CDs, if you will, and that I think brings a lot of the authenticity and realness to the show. Indeed. So if this is your first time behind the radio, Mike, how does it compare with other ways you've shared music in the classroom or from on stage purely for the nervous or scare factor? I am very fortunate in the fact that I don't get nervous speaking in front of people or into a microphone or in an auditorium or something like that. I started teaching in the public schools in 1970, and so I've done concerts galore since then. I've been on stage. I played professionally. I've done things with my college groups and now this. So I've been very fortunate not to freeze up or get nervous in front of an audience, whether it be live, sitting here with you, or in an auditorium of 2,000 people. It doesn't really make any difference to me. I enjoy the camaraderie that immediately happens, the connection I have between myself and an audience of any kind. That's great and would be for your radio audience as well because they probably feel that even Oh, I hope in so. I really hope so. I hope that there's a connection there. I really do. So since teaching music has been your other passion all these years, what has that done to satisfy and expand your music love? For me, research and always being able to find out something new about maybe something old. <laughs> if uh, I find out uh, reading something or I knew Beethoven symphony has been discovered or Mozart concerto has been discovered or I find something that a jazz musician has, is the father or son or daughter or aunt or uncle of somebody back there that is what keeps me going and I used to bring that into the classroom as much as I could a lot of the students came to me in rock and roll class for example I'll use that for an example and said Mr. Mayor I know rock and roll and I said really I said have you ever seen the Beach Boys live and they say no I say case closed <laughs> It was that way growing up as a boomer, being in the New York area, a lot of these performers were available, and I was able to partake of a lot of them live and in real time, so I could bring that experience to the classroom, not just taking it out of a book. It certainly sounds like you were born under a good sign, which is music. and Right at, place, right time. <laughs> at the right time, yeah. And you are aware of this. Does that actually inspire you to share with people because Absolutely. you were? Absolutely. My oldest daughter will tell you, we took a trip down to Florida last January, and um, she had serious radio in her car, and I forced her almost to turn on 50s music. And finally, after talking to her about every piece that came on, <laughs> she turned around, she, very polite, and said, Dad, shut up. <laughs> and yes, I enjoy it, maybe to an overextent, but I do. I think that's just great. Maybe not on a road trip, but otherwise that's just great. In your extremely diverse journey through life, then, what are some of your fondest memories? In music, probably one of the things is the first time I got to conduct a professional band and had at least one of my parents see me. Where was that? That was in New York. I played for a professional concert band called the American Concert Band under the direction of trumpet virtuoso Kirby Jolly. I played clarinet in the band and I was the stage manager and I was the librarian. And I managed to get the band scheduled for a concert at the school in which I was teaching in New York. He was very strict, the director, he was very good, and the closing number for us was always the Stars and Stripes Forever. And this concert took place, and unbeknownst to me, he walked up to me as we were ready to do it, and he handed me the baton and said, good luck. 
And there I was in front of a live audience conducting professionally a professional band, The Stars and Stripes Forever. My dad was in the audience, and that meant an awful lot for me to have him see that. Great story, and thank you for sharing that. So how are you spending your music time now that you're retired from the University of St. Francis? A lot of time is spent on the show, Toast Jazz Salad, because we changed the format a little bit where the two hours that I have is more two hours of music and talk without some breaks. And it gives me a chance, because of that expanded amount of time, to put a little bit more into letting people know what's coming up and gives me a chance to research things. I've been able to talk with some of the uh, musicians via text that I put on the show, and they are very kind and very generous, and they've been most helpful. But other than that, I am also, I'll put in a plug here, I guess, I'm also the announcer for the Old Crown Brass Band here in Fort Wayne, and uh, they have a concert coming up Sunday. And <laughs> I had to do it. I can't help it. <laughs> and uh, again, I have to research that because the advent of the brass band is from a lot of across-the-pond composers that are obscure to a lot of people. It's fascinating. I enjoy it very much. So I'm still busy. And you're still learning and then teaching. Exactly. Not a surprise, but it's very pleasant to hear that. So, Bob, before we let you go, I can't help but wonder, way back in those earliest, as you say, single-digit years, did you ever dream that music would be your world? No, not at all. I was a kid. I lived on a dead-end street. We had seven guys that hung out together. We played stickball in the streets and things like that. Went to school. I came home and delivered my paper route and worked a part-time job in the school district. So, no, I did not. Played in the band. I never took lessons. I never had the opportunity to take private lessons, but I played right through high school. And when I went to college, I went to college in engineering. So I hadn't picked up my horn in two years. Transferred to Butler University in Indianapolis after two years, deciding engineering was no longer what I wanted to do. And the rest from there. Like I say, I started teaching in 1970 and I retired in 2015. And you're still at it all the way. And as a matter of fact, how does spinning those discs for public radio end cap this whole big adventure you've been on? Oh, I don't see it as an end cap. I see it as just what's next and let's go on from there. This is now I have an education background. I have a performance background. And now I have a radio, well, background and present and hopefully that everybody will enjoy the show and they'll like it, and I'll be on for a whole bunch of years. We wouldn't have it any other way, to be sure. And for the record, why are Toss Jazz Salads so good and so good for you? They are good for you because they are eclectic, and they toss in every kind of musical vegetable you want to put into your salad. <laughs> Bob Mayer is producer-host of WBOI's weekly Tossed Jazz Salad. Bob, thank you so much for sharing your world with us, and uh, keep those salads coming. They are tasty. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Behind the Mic is hosted and produced by Julia Meek. You can find other Behind the Mic conversations at WBOI.org or wherever podcasts are found. And be sure to tune in to 89.1 FM for more NPR news and diverse music. Our music is by Mark Waldick. Thanks for listening.